1977, a year of political unrest, when punk rockers pledged to fight against the system and left-wing activists protested against the growing presence of the far-right group, the National Front. For the young and politicised of the day, there was a sense of revolution and turmoil in the air. In the late 70s, there was quite a revolutionary atmosphere, certainly in comparison with what we've got today. And alternative and left-wing bookshops were being set up all over the country. And we decided in Southampton that we would take an empty shop and have a bookshop there. That's Bobby Noyes, one of the founding members and volunteers at Southampton's radical cooperative bookshop, October Books. I'm really excited about this episode. It's from my hometown of Southampton, and it's about a bookshop that's been a fixture of the city for my entire life. I'm a lifelong book lover, and I have childhood memories of driving past that old building, longing to go in that bookshop that looked like none I'd ever seen before. So satisfy the child in me. What was it like in October Books when it was in Beavers Valley Road? It was a centre, again, for like-minded people to get together and chat. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you went in there at almost any time out of the daily working hours that everyone has, then mm-hmm. you'd meet someone that you knew or that you'd heard of. And there was a vegetable co-op next door, so there was a little sort of mini alternative. A little alternative. It, a, a little alternative. Yeah. it was part of that St Mary's thing. You had the West Indian Club, you know, just we used to go yeah. there a lot, then the West Indian Club. And then we had yeah. uh, that road and the veg co-op and Dinan's, the seed place, wasn't it? And yes. October Books was part of that. It was a bit rickety in there. It was, no, it I was liked it, building. but it was a bit run down. That's Glyn Oliver, Bobby's partner. He's been a regular at the shop since the early days. Just the labels there, because to put up things like gay books was was quite shocking, you know, late 70s, and it was a time of the National Front. No, no, it was National Front. Anyway, so they had great big shutters that had to go up on the shop every night, and if I was around, I'd help them put those great big painters. They were grey with the picture of trees and that, like October. But they had to go up because there was a few attacks on the shop because... Obviously, the far right knew it was a radical bookshop. But over time, like cities and towns all over the UK, Southampton and its shops have started to change. It's got bigger and more impersonal, I feel. They built the big shopping complex at West Quay and that changed... Mm the whole orientation because before that you'd go down to St Mary's where the market was I used to go there every Saturday and get my veg and there was a really good record shop there Henry's and, and Henry's yes and pubs and so on it was quite pubs, a Kingsland quite a, a little subculture uh, yes and the rest of Southampton was fairly boring but when they put money into building the big West Quay building as you know a shopping mall and the, the big names move into their Marks and Spencers and John Lewis and this sort of thing. Then the focus of the city went much more in that direction. And St Mary's has got very little in the way of tempting you down. They have a music venue still, I think. 
This nationwide trend towards big name brands and homogenous high streets saw more and more consumers heading online to the bookselling giants. And sadly, by 2017, the UK had lost more than a thousand independent bookshops. You're listening to Then One Day, and this is the story of how October Books, a community business, has survived 43 Octobers and counting. I'm Veronica Gordon. I want to know like a little bit more about October Books. Give me like a potted history. How long have you been there first? So myself and three others took over the running of the bookshop about four and a half years ago. And yeah, we've moved premises three times. So we started in a different part of town, working with the university, but also with loads of local community groups, groups that were active in social change. So yeah, I mean, I wasn't involved back then. I was only about 10 years old when the bookshop started. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> this is Claire Diaper. Claire works as the strategic lead at October Books. Before joining the team, she led a hectic life as a chemical engineer and was keen for a change of pace. It was really a passion and an interest in community that came from the engineering and research work that I was doing that led me into to a community bookshop. First of all, I just have to say, you, you seem very modest because I happen to know you've had a bestseller. <laughs> tell, me, tell me about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. That, so, yeah, I mean, my initial sort of connection with October Books was I'd written a book of walks from railway stations sort of in and around mm-hmm. Southampton. Yeah, a book encouraging people to use local transport options to get out there in the countryside, but also to sort of walk more locally within the city centre. And yeah, I'd been selling it through October Books prior to coming to work here. And um, yes, it was the Christmas number one bestseller in 2016. (laughs) Claire was finally working in a place that actually aligned with her values. But as soon as she and the new team took over in 2018, they realised it wasn't going to be an easy ride. So yeah, I mean, I'll be completely honest here. And when we took on running the business four and a half or so years ago, so only three or four months in, we did have a little visit from the bailiffs, which for sort of a new team taking on the business was was a pretty stressful time. And you know, I think the focus has really been coming back to the community and getting the support from our community. I think we were all, you know, just really worried that October Books wasn't going to survive after so long. It was very difficult and we did get in touch with some of the community members who sort of supported us financially and, you know, they were willing to step in and help out. But it did feel as if we needed to do something differently, that we couldn't keep relying on support from the community to keep us going. That, you know, as a business, we needed to make sure that we're viable. So, yeah, it was a pretty scary time. Not only was the shop in debt, but the landlord was threatening to put up the rent, an additional expense that the business simply couldn't afford. I think you could describe this as the fight or flight moment. On the one hand, they could have just given up and run away from the problem, but instead they turned to their community for help and amassed an army of book lovers who gave them the strength to fight on. Within just a few short months of being in charge of October Books, Claire and the rest of the team handed their notice into the landlord and challenged the community instead to help them raise enough money to buy an old bank building up the road. 
I still pinch myself that we raised the money that we did. We did it over six months. So the um, owners of the premises that we wanted to buy gave us six months to raise the funds. Mm. And, you know, it did come sort of quite close to the wire. (laughs) (laughs) We were still waiting for money to come in the week that we had to make the offer. But, yeah, it was just amazing to know that there's a community out there who'd been supporting October Books for 40 years who were really, you know, willing Mm. to stand up and make sure that it's here for another 40. How much much money was it? How much are we talking? In total, the community raised around 330,000. Wow. Gosh. Yes. So that was to purchase the building and do some of the renovation work. And yeah, we also got some funding from Co-op and Community Finance, who are a cooperative lender. That made up the rest that we needed to sort of complete the project. And we also worked with a local charity, the Society of St James, who provide accommodation for people who have been homeless and provide support and accommodation. So actually the top two floors of the building that we're in is accommodation for 11 people who have come through the Society of St James who have been on the streets but now have you know somewhere permanent to live. And that was an important part of the project that we needed to sort of work with the Society of St James to make the project viable. Eventually, it was time to make the move up the road to their new building. But if you've ever moved house, you'll know that books are not an easy thing to move en masse. So the community stepped in once again. So there was a lot of stock that needed to be moved from just down the street. So we made a human chain um, and just passed the books along and got a huge crowd of people. It was a Sunday, wasn't it? It was a Sunday, and we got there, and there was about 20 people. We thought, oh. And when you started, you had to go and walk to pass your book to the next one. Yeah. Uh, by the time we finished... It was, well, it was... Hundreds, weren't there? Well, there was, we were as close as this. Yeah, we so were, and so just, just the books like were just like this, so... There was the cafe were coming out with coffees and it was a wonderful day, it really and, was. And people were coming, you know, passers by were stopping and saying, Can I get well, can I have a yeah. photo of you? Yeah, and yeah. and wow. we had subsequently when this shop opened, a woman from China, I think. Yeah, it was, China, yeah. Came in and said she was over here, I suppose, visiting yeah, family. Mm. But she said, I had to come to this shop because I saw it on the news in China. Wow, that's incredible. There was a small article in The Guardian on the following day. And then the day after that, we had the New York Times and the Washington Post on the phone. Yeah, it was a, a good news story that travelled around the world. And we were just blown away by that, really. So what was that like for you to speak to those international media outlets and tell the world really about October books? Well, because it was moving week, we were all rather busy (laughs) packing boxes. (laughs) (laughs) So we just we didn't have time to think about it, basically. Um, It it just happened. And, you know, we took it in turns to do interviews with various organisations and radio stations and yeah, I think it was good that we didn't really have time to stop and take stock. It just mm-hmm. sort of happened. <laughs> Amongst all the excitement of the move, the team were aware that if they were going to help October Books last another 40 years, they were going to need to create bigger and more fundamental changes to how the business was run. 
the business was definitely started as a worker co-op. It was the people who came together who, who wanted to run the business, who had the say in how the business was run. But when we decided we were going to move premises, we're looking to engage with the community more, we switched to what's called a multi-stakeholder cooperative. So that meant that the community could then become members and they can come along to members' yeah. meetings and have a say in you know, the direction of the business. So sort of in the sort of governance structure, we have a committee which is made up of the workers plus four or five other volunteer committee members, again, members mm-hmm. of our community, and they help provide some of that strategic direction. And the changes haven't just been happening backstage either. They've also totally diversified their offering, as new employee Jamie explains. I do think that the kind of slogan we had of more than a bookshop is an important thing to sort of get into people's heads. Everything that we do that's kind of involved in the community, so like putting on events, obviously when we used to do the pop-up vegan cafe on the Mondays, that was a really nice Mm -hmm. thing. The fact that we sell fair trade and organic food as well, like it's a place where you can come and you can get more things. We try to support as many local artists as we can. So I think last, the beginning of last year in our, in the community space, we started to do an exhibition, which I kind of put together and every month, the idea obviously pre-COVID, which kind of destroyed it completely, but was to have like a rolling month of artists who come in and exhibit their work around and they can just, they would just be for sale and things like that. So it's just kind of that combination of many different elements that are, they're all focused on not necessarily what's best for the shop in terms of like profit-wise and money-wise. It's genuinely is what's best for the community and what can we offer them with the space we've got. How does October Books make its money? Primarily and historically always been sales. So yeah, we're very trading focused. And since we moved, we have the income stream from the community space. Obviously this last year that hasn't been so great, but actually that's the online sales have come in and helped cover what we've lost over this last year on the community space. So I think that the fact that we've got quite a few different revenue streams, we're not just reliant on sale of one one product. But certainly over the last three years, we've had some income coming in from grants and that sort of slowly increased over the last sort of two, three years. So, yeah, we've had some funding to do some work in the community space to finish off the kitchen. And so, yes, primarily trading income, but a small percentage of grant income too. October Books is now thriving. The new move and changes to the business have enabled the profits to improve year on year, which in turn has allowed them to take on more staff. And thankfully, they're not the only indie bookstore that's on the up. The Booksellers Association reported that in 2020, the number of bookshops in the UK and Ireland had grown for the third consecutive year. It appears, at least for books, more people are trying to support local. And I'm so here for it. What's it like being a community bookshop in a world of, or in a city of mainstream bookshops? I know what I love about it that I don't hear in in other shops around the city is people who come in generally meet somebody else who they know. But I also like that we can help those who wouldn't necessarily have access to books 
yeah, you know, we try and connect in with local schools and make sure we can provide books to local schools, particularly those who, you know, wouldn't necessarily have access to funds in their libraries. On World Book Day, we provide books out to local schools. Yeah, I'm pretty sure some of the big name bookshops don't sort of connect in that well. And they're very keen on books themselves. Well, it is a bookshop. Well, which I know, does but they do, they do like but... reading as well. Johnny, particularly, and Jamie, they read all Oh, time. yes, you come in yeah. and say, uh, yeah. I'm just reading a book about the Plantagenets, which yeah. I bought here. Yeah. And I came in the other day and, and said to the, I can't remember who it was behind the counter, that book on the Plantagenets is really, really good. And he said, oh, yes, I know. And, you know, you can just have a chat. And it's yes. not like a, a shop where, however pleasant the assistants are, they're not that okay. interested. Yeah. Is it a tin of beans? Is it a book? Is it a record? Who yeah. cares? As long yeah. as I get paid. But they're not, it's not like that here. People are avid readers as much as we are interacting physically with the book is so important and I think it's still important to adults I don't think Kindle has taken off as much as they thought it would I don't think to actually feel the weight the way it's cut even I think a book is a wonderful artefact it is thank you to Claire, Bobby, Glyn and Jamie I have to admit I'm full of hometown pride after this episode It's been inspiring to hear about a group of people in my city who back in the late 70s were so dedicated to positive change that they created a meeting place for like-minded people. Since then, it has grown into more than a bookshop. It has become a welcoming space for everyone in the community. I never did get to go into the old October books as a child, but I certainly will be visiting it in its new home on the high street. Thanks to Power to Change, who brought you this podcast, and to Pixu for producing. I'd love to hear what you think about this episode and all the stories we feature on Then One Day. So please leave us a rating and review or send us a message on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at People's Biz. That's spelled People's B-I-Z. We'll be back in two weeks time with a special bonus episode featuring Caroline afulabi Delu from an organisation called Success for All, who will be giving us her top tips on how to set up a business working with children. But until then, from me, Veronica Gordon, thanks for listening. Listener.